Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about soybean burndowns. If you've got any questions about that or anything happening on your farm, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. Well, when it comes to soybean burndown, probably the number one question we get is, hey, can I use 2,4-D? Or let me even rephrase this whole thing. We don't even get the question half the time. I just ask guys, well, what are you doing for a burndown? Well, I'm doing this, this, and hey, and some 2,4-D. And I go, wait, wait a second. You're not planting enlist beans. You can't do 2,4-D in front. Well, I've done it for years. It's been fine. Yeah, it's always fine until it's not fine. So 2,4-D is way too hard on soybeans. Please do not put 2,4-D in your burn down in front of, of soybean planting or after you planted the beans, unless, of course, they are enlist beans. That's a whole different story. If they're dicamba beans, use dicamba. If they're enlist beans, use 2,4-D. If they're neither, then you need to go to something else, probably Gramoxone or Liberty. So anyway, we want to talk about this throughout the show today. There are a lot of options, and there are lots of herbicides out there. There are so many names out there. There really, quite frankly, aren't a lot more active ingredients than there were 20 years ago. But there are about 10 times the amount of names because of all the combinations, because of all the generics, and it does get really confusing. So we want to try to simplify this thing for you today. Let me start you with this. Pre-emerge in soybeans, we want you using the three pre's. And what that is, what we mean by that is Valor or Authority, so that's a PPO or in the PPO chemical family, Metribuzin, and then one of the yellows. Prowl is the no-till product, and uh, the conventional till product would be trifluralin. So just yesterday, I, I was looking at some data that came from, it was originated from North Dakota State University. But, I mean, there's been work being done all around the country showing that the PPOs by themselves are starting to have some I'm going to call them tolerance issues. A lot of people will say resistance, but here's what I mean very specifically. Like in North Dakota, what they're finding is kochia plants that aren't dying when a person is using a normal rate of a Valor or Authority or maybe some other PPO product. We have seen water hemp have the same reaction. We know that there is tolerance to the triazines, that'd be metribuzin. Um, there are a few weeds out there, not many, but a few that have some tolerance to some of the yellows. So it, it's, I don't remember how many years ago, six, seven years ago, eight years ago, something like that. We started talking about, you know what, a lot of farmers are using one or two modes of action pre-emerge in soybeans, and it's just not cutting it because post-emerge, I, I mean, it'd be great to say, oh, we've got these amazing products. But you know how good 2,4-D and dicamba are post-emerge. I mean, they're marginal at best. And then, like with the dicamba side, you got to worry about drift and volatility. I mean, Liberty's not bad, but it's also it also doesn't have residual costs of money. I mean, here's the thing: soybeans don't give you quick, great crop canopy like corn does or wheat. So you can't have a marginal product killing your stuff, killing your weeds in that crop. 
is just not going to work. You got to have a lot of residuals and you have to have something that's going to last for a while. Because otherwise, if you're just going to go out there with something that's going to burn down what's there today, you're going to be hitting it three, four times during the course of the season. Just it's it's not great. I mean, unless you want to spend all your summer in the sprayer. And what are you going to use? It was fine when we had Roundup and Roundup was killing all the weeds, but now there's nothing. So this is why we really encourage you use residual product. But here's the problem. If you're a no-till or strip-till, you're going to go, all right, I'm going to use your three-pre thing that you guys are talking about. And there are certainly some people that instead of using the yellow, they use a group 15. That'd be something like Warrant, Zidua, Dual. I mean, if you want to do that, it's fine. I prefer to save those for post, but whatever. So the point is you're either going to do a yellow or group 15. You're going to do some metribuzin. You're going to do valor authority. And you go, well, wait a second here. I, I get good burn down with my metribuzin and valor and authority also have some burn down. Yes, they do, but they're not perfect. And so people go, all right, well, I'm going to throw Roundup in along with it because I'm burning down in, in no-till or strip-till. Great, except for the Roundup-resistant weeds. And that's where we get this big question. Guys say, okay, if the Roundup isn't working and the Metribuzin plus either Valor Authority isn't quite enough burn-down activity for me, what do I do? So some people are using AIM. I was just looking at something this morning where they were talking about AIM. That's a PPO. All right, it's fine. But now it's another PPO along with the Valor or Authority. Not going to hurt anything. Now, it's different than Sharpen. Sharpen, you can't use with Valor or Authority or you will hurt the beans. But with AIM, that's not a problem because AIM doesn't have any soil residual. So if you want to throw AIM in there, great. Throw AIM and some crop oil in. That's going to help you. Personally, I'd rather see you go to Gramoxone or Liberty. Yeah, it's going to cost a lot more, but it's also a lot better. So you're going to get everything burned down then for sure. So if you've got a disaster out there, you got lots of weeds, I'm spending the money, I'm going to Gramoxone or Liberty. If you only have a few weeds, then hey, maybe that AIM is enough. Or there are some other products out there too that certainly could be used. And quite frankly, maybe just Roundup together with your Metribuzin and your Valor and Authority is enough. I'll also tell you this, when the weather is cold, that's one of the challenges that we have. So even if, let's say, you had Enlist beans and you could throw 2,4-D in, if you had Dicamba beans and you could throw Dicamba in with your burn down, well, now all of a sudden you don't even need the Gramoxone, you don't need the Liberty, anything else. But just keep this in mind, when the nighttime temperatures are below 50 degrees and the daytime temperatures are below 70 degrees, the kill you're going to get could be subpar. So you've got to, number one, keep the rate up. And number two, if you've got really weedy fields, that's where we're going to tell you, hey, wait until you've got a little better weather. We, we've done uh, pint of Banville as a burn down in the spring before, too, in combination with stuff. You didn't even think we sprayed it because the weather was too cold. So a lot of these things we've learned from our own mistakes. We're trying to help save you some money, save you from mistakes, from the mistakes we've made. We're going to talk more about burn down next. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about soybean burn down. And yes, it's time. It's time to be out there in the field. It's time to attack some of those weeds, whether it's winter annuals or or annual weeds that are getting started early this year. We're going to talk about the best options and also take your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Start off with Mike Probst over in Central Illinois. Works with BASF. How you doing, Mike? Doing well. How about yourself? We are doing quite well, also. And when when it comes to this topic of soybean burn down, I want it all, though, Mike. I want I want burn down. I want residual. I want to take care of of resistant weeds. Uh, I, I, I mean, it's not easy here. I I want too many things. Can it all be done? That's a great point. Yes, it can all be done, but uh, it can be a little tricky sometimes. So I'm in agreement with you that um, those are all things that we got to make sure that we're doing. But there are some some really good options out there to make sure that we're getting all of that in in one pass. Uh, Something like Zidua Pro herbicide, something that we have here at BASF that's got a combination of really quality residual, uh, but also has that burn down component with the, the sharpen that's in there. So that really helps to to clean up those winter annuals and then set the table for good weed control moving forward. Let's talk about that sharpen component because I, I think there's a, a lot of guys out there that love sharpen, but there are different rates for different crops and then additives that we need to put in. And uh, certainly, you know, the weed control is fantastic on the broadleaf weeds, but we're going to need some help on some grass, which of course you're talking about a combination product here, but speak to us just specifically on the sharpen end of this. What do we need to know about sharpen to make it work the best? Yeah, the sharpen component is in a, a number of different products. It's our Kixor lineup is what that's referred to. So you'll also find that in our product uh, verdict as well as the solo sharpened product that can go on either corn or soybeans Um, what that really brings to the table is is speed of control and that's something that's really valuable in the spring when we're trying to get those weeds out of the field as quickly as possible 
trying to get that field dried up as quickly as possible so that we can move on to our next step and get our field work done. Um, so that's really the value that it brings to the table and also very effective on mare's tail, which we know has uh, developed a significant uh, level of glyphosate resistance. So uh, that, that really helps benefit us a lot for a troublesome weed. In terms of how to make it work the best, something that's always going to need to be in there is an MSO adjuvant. We know that through pretty significant research that MSO really drives the performance of anything with Sharpen in it, uh, and that's going to really optimize that application. And then to help get this, some systemic activity in there as well for something like grasses or even some larger weeds if we get into some tricky situations, we're probably going to want to see some glyphosate in there as well just to add a, a systemic level of activity and kind of be that extra punch to help uh, complement the Sharpen. All right, for anybody listening, if you haven't used Sharpen yet and you're thinking this is going to be the year you're going to give it a try, Mike's absolutely right on that MSO. It really, really helps, and especially even on the early side of the season, it's just not hot enough, and the weeds aren't growing as active as we would like them to. The cuticles can be tough to penetrate through. I mean, there's all these things going on that throwing that MSO, you talk about speed of control with Sharpen, you put Sharpen and MSO out there, uh, you're going to know it. You're going to know it real fast. It does a great job. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does a fantastic job. Uh, and if you start uh, getting into some of those more difficult situations, like I mentioned, uh, even pairing with uh, an auction option, maybe like a, a dicamba or 2,4-D, that is a, a terrific tank mix that we see as well, especially in some of those larger weeds. Uh, in terms of some of the trials that I've seen, I have rarely seen anything that looks better than uh, a sharpened containing product uh, combined with something like a BSF Ingenia ahead of ExtendFlex soybeans. That's going to take care of pretty much anything that's out there, especially even if you get into some later scenarios where maybe you've got some water hemp emerging into the season and you want to have some multiple modes of action out there to make sure you take care of that too. Yeah, we do see a lot of uh, Extend and Extend Flex soybeans getting Ingenia or Dicamba products in the burn down. And you're right, makes an excellent tank mix partner. Uh, it's going to be fast as well, but it's it's going to have broad spectrum, broadleaf control. Uh, Mike, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. It's a great way to start the show, and good luck to you heading into the spring here. All right, thank you. Good luck to you as well. Speaking of luck, we probably need some luck up north. We've got our friend Ryan Hunt up in North Dakota with FMC on. Ryan, is the snow going away? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty well all gone, but now we've got uh, three days of rain in the forecast. So, <laughs> you know. We need to. We need some sunshine. Yeah, yeah, sure do. Well, we'll have some moisture to to get going here for quite a while. I know Brian always says the best time for a drought is when we're trying to plant, <laughs> so we can just try and get everything in. And uh, anyway, hopefully you get some dry weather and sunshine coming up soon. And and when you do, guys will be getting out in the field. And if if we are getting in the field just a little bit later, it's a good chance there's going to be some weeds out there to burn down. What are some of the things we should keep in mind to to get the most effective burn down ahead of soybeans? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing is you want to be out there as soon as you can, but with these wet conditions, things are probably going to start getting away from us if it warms up. Um, so, like, with our AIM herbicide, um, it's kind of the same as, like, the BSF guys just talking. You want to have MSO with it. Um, you know, full one-ounce water is key for coverage. You've got to get as much coverage on those plants as you can. Um, then the other thing with these PPO products, um, a little AMS in conjunction with that MSO really, really heats them up and helps helps your burn down a lot. Um, 
you know, and then we've we've been seeing some NDSU reports and working with them. There is some PPO resistant kosher out there now. So the big thing is going to be just knowing what worked on your farm last year, and we can't just rely on one mode of action anymore. You know, you're going to want your whether it's a dicamba product or a 2,4-D or maybe even some dramoxone with it. Um, we really, really need to have as many mode of actions out there, especially up north here now as we can. Yeah, when it comes to AIM, uh, and for anybody who hasn't used AIM before, here's another product that, that really heats things up, does a nice job burning a, a really a large variety of weeds, and a pretty nice product on mare's tail, for example. But with AIM, it doesn't have any plant back restrictions or residuals. So we see a lot of guys using AIM in front of not just soybeans, but a lot of different crops. When your tank makes that in there, I know you like more water volume with AIM. Uh, are there any other watch outs that you'd have? So fact, I mean, certainly we want to have the MSO and AM, AMS in there to make things work, but, but you can mix AIM with just about anything, can't you? Yeah, it's, there's really nothing I've run into that it's got an issue mixing with. Um, and, you know, as far as compatibility, it's a one-ounce use rate, so there's not a lot in there to get to get tied up or mess anything up. Um, you know, you will hear once in a while where they talk about it, it can burn too fast and cause some other weeds not to die as well from your glyphosate. Um, kind of the, the catch there is, you know, if you got if you got a lot of perennials like Canada thistle and stuff, maybe back your aim rate down to a half an ounce. You shouldn't have that issue, but... Um, you know, on your annual weeds and whatnot, we really don't see that at all. So, um, you know, if you just got carpets of kosher and pigweeds, water hemp out there, an ounce with that MSO and AMS, and uh, you know, throw whatever else you got, you got that you can to get her clean. Because if you don't get it on the first try, you're probably not going to the next try. Well, it's a nice option to add in instead of 2,4-D or some of the products that can volatilize or can drift. Uh, and one other product real quick, Ryan, uh, we got about a minute left, Panaflex. We get some questions on Panaflex. What do we need to know about that one, and where should we use that? Yeah, so it's a combo of uh, tribenuron and siphon sulfuron, so Express and Harmony. Um, where it's really nice is if we get some dandelions, which usually when it's cool out and wet like this we end up having a lot of dandelions that that tri-bend in there is about the best active on dandelions out there um three tenths of an ounce and you got a one day plant back to soybeans um you can plant wheat immediately corn you got a little bit longer 14 day deal there but um as soybeans if you've got perennials out there like like your dandelions it's it's a no-brainer throw that three tenths of it in there with your burn down and You'll be you'll be real happy how well that cleans those out of there. Yeah, and they can be really tough to get in the spring for sure. Hey, Ryan, thank you so much. Good luck to everybody up in North Dakota, and uh, thanks for all the info today. Yep, have a good one. Talking about soybean burndown on today's program, and of course, as Brian was mentioning earlier, those burndown options can mix right in with the three pre's, so uh, you can certainly get your residual and your burndown at the same time. We'll be right back to talk more about this after this. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. 
Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Get what you spray for. Results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemmax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Hi, Greg Souter. Uniform emergence is critical for high ear count and yields. Good emergence starts with the closing of the seed trench. It's almost impossible to pinch the seed trench closed from the top, no matter what style of closing wheel you use. That's why 360 Wave closes the seed trench from the bottom up. 360 Wave rolls moist soil from the bottom of the V trench over the seed, completely engulfing the seed, eliminating all traces of the trench. That means better germination and emergence. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Talking soybean burn down on today's Ag PhD radio show, and we welcome your calls and questions at 844 44 Ag PhD. You can always email us radio at agphd.com. Let's get back to the phone lines. Got Eric Jones with us right now at South Dakota State University. How you doing, Eric? Good. How are you guys doing today? We are doing well. We're really happy the sun's out, and we're getting out in the field, really, for the first major time this year. So that's that's kind of exciting. In South Dakota, it's been a little slow this spring. Yeah, we just planted our first spring wheat trials yesterday, and we're waiting for that soil to warm up, start putting corn in the ground, and then we got to focus on our soybeans, especially the burndowns. All right, when we think about the burndowns, I mean, a lot of different weeds that we're fighting. I, I think about some of the perennials and some of the winter annuals probably as being the biggest things at this point. But you know what? For, for some of the guys, if it stays a little too wet to get out there till later on in May, there could be some of those early annual weeds coming up too. So we get a really diverse set of weeds that we're trying to fight. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of times when we're thinking – 
soybean burndowns, you know, there are those winter annuals, you know, the dandelions, prickly lettuce, you know, those perennials. A lot of guys are thinking mares tail or horseweed as well, but but you bring up a really good point as well, you know. Especially as weird as it has been this year, it's been cooler, you know, we're going to get pushed back a little bit and subsequently we're going to see some of that other stuff, you know, maybe some earlier emerging foxtails, lambs quarters, things like that as well. You know, kind of our not so usual suspects. Right, right. And, you know, one of the things about, you mentioned lamb's quarter, and I think, oh, my goodness, they they have so many growing points so quickly, and mm-hmm. they're just tough to get. And a lot of guys are using fairly low rates of things, thinking, oh, I just got these one-inch tall weeds, but then you got some three-inch tall lamb's quarter out there almost overnight, and uh, you aren't going to get them with a pint of Roundup. No, you're you're definitely not. And lamb's quarters is really hard, and it's always been really hard to get with Roundup. So one of the things is that I always recommend, too, is run that full rate when you do your burn down. And I guess kind of in line with that, too, you know, when we're doing our burn downs, a lot of the time the environmental conditions aren't going to be as favorable during, you know, our normal in-season post-emergence, Right. A lot cooler weather, the sun's not going to be as intense, so we need to really squeeze every ounce out of that herbicide, quite literally, and put on that full rate as well. So we're getting good control rather than, eh, we got good control of, you know, species A, but like you said, that lamb's quarters might be running off and doing quite well. When it comes to weed resistance issues or resistance to herbicides, besides mare's tail, are there any big concerns that you've got with the early weeds we're facing in burndown? You know, to be honest with you, I really don't. But it's not to say that there isn't. And, you know, just because there's not a huge concern with it right now, we need to be proactive, right? So if it is just the lamb, or excuse me, the mare's tail we're thinking about, you know, don't just rely solely on that, you know, add a couple of different herbicides into that burn down, whether it be the 2,4-D or dicamba, sharpen, something like that, but also consider putting some other residuals in as well to, again, try to squeeze every ounce out of that herbicide, and in return, what you're doing is you're getting good weed control and combating that development of resistance. Okay, here's one thing I see, Eric. I see guys running across fields trying to get a lot of work done because, man, we got to plant, we got to get fertilizer out there, we got to get weed sprayed, all these different things. And yep. I, I see booms that maybe are a little too high, and I see the wrong spray nozzles in there and just some common mistakes. Are there, are there any kind of application things you'd say, hey, watch out for this when you're out doing a burn down this spring? You know, that that's a really good point. You know, the big thing is, is for me, I always tell them, you know, slow down just a little bit. You know, I know you got a lot of ground to cover, but, you know, like you said, you're running fast. That boom's up high, whipping around. You're not getting the right coverage. And with that as well, you're not using that right nozzle to get that right coverage. So what you're actually doing is you're creating more work for yourself because you may have to go back and respray again. So, if you do it right the first time, you're going to have satisfactory results, and you're not going to have to take more time back out going to respray it again. And then you can get to that other chore you need to get to. Oh, there's plenty of those right now, Eric. There's yeah, so there, much work to be done on farms. Uh, we're talking with Eric Jones here at South Dakota State. Uh, Eric, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Good luck to you. Hey, I appreciate spring. it. Thanks for having me on. You bet. 
Uh, get Nick Flights with us right now with Pentair. How you doing, Nick? Uh, I'm doing great today. Thanks for having me on. I just thought you'd enjoy hearing somebody else say getting the right nozzles in there and having good coverage is important. So it didn't feel like you're the only one out there waving that flag. <laughs> Yeah, it's good to hear somebody's listening to me. It's good to have friends, right? <laughs> okay, well, here's the problem, though, that we've come up with today, Nick, is we've had several guests on. Every single one of them has said, well, we're going to have to make at least a two-way, if not a three- or four-way combo here to, to get burned down, get residual, uh, have all the right additives in there, everything else. That sounds like me, uh, or sounds to me like a recipe for plugging and uh, mixing issues and those types of things. So what are some of the things that you would say? Because you got to admit, there, there's not just one product going in these tanks. It's a bunch. Yeah, it's definitely a, a hot topic this time of year. You know, these mixtures, a lot of these residual products we're putting down in front of beans are dry granules, wettable powders. You know, they're dry in nature. They get dissolved into a solution. Even looking at other crops, corn and atrazine, uh, bicep, a lot of these products. This is the time of year that nozzle plugging risk is the highest uh, due to these mixtures and the formulations that we're using. Uh, and so this is a time of year where I really kind of think more about nozzle plugging than I do at any other time of the year when we're spraying. Uh, and so there's a, you know, a couple steps or things that I kind of recommend um, to help prevent some plugging issues, and when someone asks me about nozzles for these applications, one of the things I think about is the, the type of nozzle. Uh, different type nozzles have different risk of plugging, uh, and so if you look at a lot of drift reduction nozzles, uh, they'll have a pre-orifice, uh, so there's multiple kind of holes in the nozzle. Uh, if you look at the inside, you'll see, you know, you'll see a pre-orifice disc with a hole in it. Some nozzles will have two holes. It'll be a dual pre-orifice, so there's two small holes. That's going to carry a higher risk of plugging, uh, so I try and avoid those when possible. Um, I like nozzles that kind of have an open flow-through design um, that are going to have a lower risk of plugging. Um, you can also look at screens, too. I get asked all the time, about every day, if you're, you should leave your screen, those little strainers in with the nozzle themselves. Um, my recommendation on that is it's based on the size nozzle you're using. The larger a nozzle is, uh, the more things it can let blow through it. You know, you get those flakes and chips of atrazine or uh, some, some product that hasn't fully dissolved and suspended. Uh, that's a risk of plugging, but a larger tip can pass that through. Uh, so you're kind of okay with, say, a, an 05, an 06, an 08, those larger tips leave, leaving the screen out. If you're using a smaller tip, though, an 03, uh, maybe a purple, an 025, even an 04, um, I really recommend leaving those screens in because they're going to catch some of those things that could plug your nozzle up. Uh, so they're going to push that chance of plugging off to a later date. Um, so that's two things that I really, really uh, key in on uh, when we're talking about nozzle plugging this time of year. Yeah, last thing, and, and I know we're going to be talking about this a lot coming up, is just clean out and getting after it on the front side. And Nick's talking about using screens and, and filters and all these things. Man, you need to clean those out well to make sure you don't have a problem. Yeah, that hygiene is important. Um, you know, a lot of stuff really builds up in, inside the sprayer that we don't always see, and it can really build up in nozzle bodies. There's a lot of passages and things in the nozzle body. Um, so things can build up there really heavily this time of year. 
um, can, can build up quickly. And one way to help prevent that, I'll say, away from nozzles and tips and bodies is agitation. Make sure you really agitate well and, and take a couple extra minutes before you start spraying again when you're mixing. Really let things agitate, get dissolved into suspension, and that's going to help uh, prevent some of those plugging issues. I love it. Nick, the basics, just the basics. Just be really good at those and lots less problems. Talking with Nick Flights here with Pentair. Nick, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good day. You as well. We're talking soybean burn down on today's Ag PhD show and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Where are you getting your fertilizer this year? Just about anywhere you look, it's going to cost more. And you may even find it's harder to get when you need it. It sure would be nice to have a better source of crop nutrients. Believe it or not, you do. It's your soil. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the nutrients already in your fields, so you can add less fertilizer while getting the yield you're counting on. It's such a solid backup plan, you'll probably find yourself wondering why Source wasn't the plan all along. Visit Sound.ag to learn more. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Coming. The weeds are coming! Hey! Paul Revere! This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming! We've got Verdict Herbicide! Verdict Herbicide? Yeah! It's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Oh, well then. Get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. 
It is mailbag time here on Ag PhD Radio, taking your calls and emails throughout the rest of the show. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or you can give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD. We got an email in from Justin up in North Dakota, and he said, Guys, I want to ask you about a soybean pre Prowl H2O. Is it labeled for use this far north? And I should add this, Brian, can it be used in no-till? Because a lot of times guys say, well, Prowl, that's my no-till option to use a yellow, but when you go that far north, uh, can you still use it? Absolutely. So the the thing is, when we talk about three pre's, the word pre actually really means three different things. So let, let's clarify. Pre could be pre-emerge. It could be pre-plant. It could also be pre-plant incorporated. Those are the three things when we say the word pre, we actually mean this all-encompassing thing. It's just like when I say grass, then I'm including green foxtail, yellow foxtail, woolly cupgrass, whatever. So when I say pre, we're talking pre-emerge, pre-plant, and pre-plant incorporated. So here's the thing. With Prowl, when you're north of Interstate 80, it's not labeled for use after you've planted the beans. It is labeled for use before you've planted the beans. So big distinction there. And here's what could potentially happen to you, and this is the reason why it's not labeled for after you plant the beans north of Interstate 80. It's because in very few isolated cases in the past, uh, but we have seen this actually not for many, many years, but uh, what could potentially happen to you is if let's say you get just the wrong rain at just the wrong time when the beans are trying to push their way out of the ground, a very high dose of prowl could go into that bean right then and damage the stem. And then later on, bean grows, you get to August, all of a sudden a big wind comes along, knocks the beans over. It basically makes a spot on the stem weak and brittle. So that's the reason why it's not labeled for after you've planted the beans. But before you plant, you're perfectly good. You could put it on in the fall. You could put it on real early. You could put it on right before you plant. It's just not labeled. Prowl is not labeled after you've planted those beans. All right. Thanks for the question, Justin. Yeah, there's a lot of those things where there's kind of some partial bits of information out there, and it's just good to ask the yeah, question and, and, and get it sorted out. Yeah, and also, I mean... It would take us forever to get any single point across if on every show we did, we went through that and a whole bunch more detail about all the last little label things. So we are assuming that you already know 90% of what you need to know. We're hopefully just either trying to give you reminders about what you already know or fill in that last little 10%. So when we start talking about three pre's, we're already assuming you know, hey, with Prowl, if I'm north of Interstate 80, so that, and if you don't know where Interstate 80 is, that goes right through Iowa and Nebraska. So for someone in North Dakota, they cannot use Prowl after those beans are planted, but you can use prowl anytime leading up to when the beans are planted in no-till or strip-till. Oh, and if you want to till it in, you're perfectly good because that uh, spreads that stuff out through the soil. And actually, that's our preference even with prowl. You don't have to till in prowl because it has a, uh, a low vapor pressure. It's not going to disappear on you like trifluralin does. 
But ideally, yeah, we'd love to have it lightly tilled in because now you've got that herbicide down in the ground. You're going to require less rain to get, not just get it activated. Because I hear all these companies talk about activating a herbicide. I don't give a rip about activating it. You know what I care about? Getting 100% control or let me phrase that a little better, getting the most effectiveness out of that herbicide. That's what I care about. So I love how these companies will tell you, oh, we only need a quarter of an inch or a half an inch with our product. No, they don't. There's nothing that's going to work with a quarter inch or half inch as good as it possibly could in your wildest dreams. In that case, you're going to probably need... mm, one to three inches, depending on how much moisture is already in the soil. So anyway, there are a lot of misleading marketing statements that get out there. So I just want to clarify that at least a little bit. All right. Uh, follow-up question here. This is from Dave over in Wisconsin with Hilly Ground. Going to put the three pre's out there. Just curious if it will run off or it will stick to the soil. So we talked about that, I believe, yesterday. He yep. said, "He said just adding a little bit more context. We have plenty of corn residue and we are no-till, so we really aren't expecting oh, soil yeah. to move. Our yep. our concern was that the soil is already mostly saturated, and if we happen to get a heavy rain, that's the real question. Yeah. So, what do you think in that situation? No, I'm not. I'm not that worried about that. How saturated could it possibly be if you've got some slope? You know, I, I mean, sure. Is, is it going to be damp? I don't, I, I'm sure it is, but could it take just a little bit more water? Cause think about how, how minute it is when you're out there spraying 10 gallons of water over an entire acre. Um, do you know, I, I should run the math on that. What would that be for, for rainfall? One, one hundredth. It'd be less than one, one hundredth. I'll run the math. Okay. 27,000, well, I mean. 27,000 gallons is an acre inch. Yeah. Right. So one one hundredth of that. So if I divide that by 100, I got 200 and some gallons, 270 gallons. That's one one hundredth. So we're almost to the, I mean, uh, well, let's see, one one thousandth. So you're less than one one thousandth. Boy, this is. This is making for great radio here, but you're Brand's less than one one. Th- that might be a new segment, right? You're less than what I could have done this. Figuring the other way, I, I, I'm losing it anyway. So you're less than one one thousandth of an inch of rain is what you're putting out there when you go out and you spray ten gallons of water per acre, and a component of that ten is whatever herbicide you are using. So that's all we need to absorb is less than one one thousandth of an inch. I think we can do it. I think you're going to be just fine. Oh, and by the way, a little bit's going to get tied up in that residue until you get some more rain. So I'm just, I am not concerned about that running down the hill. Okay. Uh, I get this question that came in from Lee, and he said, guys, we are going to be planting uh, non-GMO conventional corn into a cover crop. What would be the best herbicide program to control the cover crop and the weeds? What cover crop? I don't know that answer. Oh, that would have been a good detail, Lee, to throw in there. So and let's just assume it's cereal rye. And Ryan. how big is the cover crop? Let's say it's cereal rye and it's 12 to 18 inches tall. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, at let's see. It was University of Missouri that did a study showing, I think their cutoff was 17 inches, if I remember right. You get bigger than 17 inches, and what they found is you better go burn that cover crop off, come back a few days later, and then, or maybe a week 10 days later, and then come back and put your pre on. So if you're trying to put the pre on 
and burn down the cover crop, it needs to be less than 17 inches. This was University of, Min University of Missouri information. Uh, we talked about this at, at our, our workshops this winter and showed the data and everything else. But anyway, if I'm doing it and I got cereal rye, number one, Roundup's going to be in there. And then what am I doing for a, a residual product? Well, it all depends on what weeds that I'm really after. When you start talking conventional corn, our standard recommendation is full rate of a group 15 because we're usually looking at grass being the worst thing we have to fight and we can kill the broadleaves, the rest of the broadleaves that the group 15 won't get. We can kill those post-emerge with an HPPD or status, something like that. So that's probably what I would run with. But here's the thing. Group 15s have no residual, or sorry, no burn down. Only they have only residual. So you have to have something in there totally separate from this residual herbicide you're using because the residual herbicide is going to do you no good on the burn down. Now, sure, a lot of people talk about these combination products, Triple Flex and Sure Start and Resicor and Verdict and all those things are nice, but none of them at the standard use rate most people are using have a full rate of a group 15. So I don't like them in conventional corn. You need that full rate of group 15 somehow, some way to get maximum grass control. That's what I'm after. So yeah, if it's me, I'm probably running out there with full rate of a group 15 plus uh, uh, roundup at a pretty high rate. So anyway, I, I, oh, that was a lot of music. Anyway, that's probably what I would do. Roundup plus group 15. I think you'll be in pretty good shape, but tell us if you got some other cover crop and we can help you with a better recommendation. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at farmshopmfg.com. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event Saturday, June 24th, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Join us as we head into the field for hands-on sessions covering everything from how to pull soil and plant tissue tests, ways to improve crop health, the importance of microbiology and farming, and much more. Plus, in our comprehensive guide to crop scouting, we'll explore both above and below ground in a variety of crops as we diagnose problems with insects, weeds, diseases, and anything else we may find. As we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees, this day is geared more towards students and young farmers. But anyone with the desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. So whether you're a college student or just want the good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day at Saturday, June 24th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. 
Palmer Amaranth. Four counts of yield theft, resistance to groups two, four, nine. You ain't got nothing on me, man. We've been surveilling you. And now we've got Tough 5EC, a tank mix partner that'll make sure you and your gang of resistant weeds never see the daylight again. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belsham Crop Protection. Head over to your local CNB to get yourself a new John Deere planter or schedule inspections to make sure your equipment is as ready for spring as you are. Visit CNB Operations online at DeerEquipment.com. That's D E R Equipment.com. Morton buildings are made to last for generations. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best in class warranty, we are committed to quality. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD here in the Morton studio. And we've got Jeff on the line down in Iowa with a question for us. Jeff, how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. I uh, Last fall, our cooperative talked us into putting on Valor and 240 on all of our corn and bean ground, the ground going to corn and beans this next spring here. And then we had an agronomist later on say, oh, you cannot use Valor. That's a soybean herbicide. But it is labeled for corn. So I just wonder what your guys' thought were on, <laughs> was on that. So. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, that's not a common recommendation. Let's just put it that way. Uh, now, doing fall Valor is, I mean, there are a lot of people that do that around the country in front of soybeans, and they'll run with a, a high rate. So how high a rate did you go with? Do you remember? Four you know, ounces? I don't think three? it was a third. I don't think it was a very high rate. I think it okay. might have been three ounces. Okay. Yeah. So w- when we talk to farmers in the fall, we just say, hey, four ounces of Valor. Don't even think about any other rate. You're going to soybeans next year. You want at least some residual to get you into that bean crop. Four ounces is what you got to do. Right. Throwing it now, if it's in front of soybeans, we'll usually talk about 2,4-D. But in front of corn, a lot of times what we're doing, like even on our own farm, if we're doing any fall burn down, it's dicamba. We're using old banville and we're using a quart. And that basically eliminates all dandelions, all mare's tail. They're all gone. So I, what were you after for weeds? Well, we were after some winter annuals uh, that, it, you know, that hens peck or something they call that, the purple flower. Yep, yep. Henbit, yeah. And and, and we had some other, the lettuce, the wild lettuce stuff. Prickly lettuce, maybe? Yep. Yep. And, and, uh, I mean, it was getting to where it was just solid. After we'd chop and stuff, it'd green up. It'd it'd be like our cover crop. Sure. Wait, wait, wait. Not that we had a bad crop. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you said chop, are you talking chop silage or chop stalks or what? Yeah, we chopped silage. Gotcha. And then, of course, on one farm, we would uh, just combine, and afterwards, you get out and you think, what is that smell? And it was just the <laughs> smell of that weed, you know, getting yep. cut off by our, our cutting up corn heads. So. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, okay, so, yes, henbit, prickly lettuce, they're just like mare's tail where they are winter annuals, and controlling them in the fall, that was a great move. So I'm, I'm glad you did something okay. in the fall. Well, that's not, our like, our yeah. standard thing. Here's the reason why they told you to do that, because Valor has burned down in addition to the 2,4-D, and the Valor leaves residual for a while. 
it's not going to hurt your corn now this spring. The rotational restriction on Valor is one month. If I remember right, I, I, I haven't looked at the label lately, but typically yeah. if you do Valor in the fall, not a real big concern going in the spring with corn. Okay. But if it's me in the future, going to corn just to be on the super safe side, I'd probably just do two ounces instead of three. But here's the thing. You're a long ways south from me, roughly 200 miles. You're a lot warmer. Right. You you uh, stay warmer in the fall. You're going to be warmer in the spring. So this is also why where you're at, you could get by with this. I'd probably be pushing it if I did three ounces of Valor here. So let me ask you one other question, uh, Jeff. With that silage, do you do you typically put a cover crop in after that? And if so, what do you plant? You know, we we haven't been. Uh, I I didn't. I shouldn't say I haven't been. I ha- I've done. Uh, uh, triticale one year, mm-hmm. uh, but it just where we're going back corn on corn on corn. Yep. Uh, you know, some of this ground doesn't see beans for twelve years. Okay, and uh, uh, it's just it's it's hard for me to justify that that cover crop, especially a, a you know winter annual like that or biannual crop, because it just it hurts the, it hurts the yield so bad. So, sure. Yep. Uh, if we do 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 a cover crop, we're probably going to go back to oats or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, that's what I was going to bring up to you. So we've got a big dairy now next to us. And it was a small dairy before. Now it's massive. And so we've been doing just a tiny little bit of silage. Well, now we're doing a couple thousand acres. And we and we have some rolling hills, too. So we're we're doing oats as a cover crop. And all these people talk about cereal rye, and I get it. If you want something living into the spring, but we're like you, we're raising a whole bunch of continuous corn. I can't have that in my dry environment. I got to have something that dies off, and oats has worked out good. Oats is cheap to seed, and then it holds down a lot of these winter annuals. But the good news is even if the winter annuals are there in the spring, I I mean, it's not the end of the world. Banville is a burn down is fine. And quite frankly, even Roundup isn't bad on some of these winter annuals, and we have plenty of options in corn to kill them. Soybeans, it gets a little bit tougher, but even there we can kill a lot of these things off. But no, that's the reason why they recommended the Valor and the 2,4-D. A lot of times for fall applications, it'll just be like a group 15, like a harness or pass, outlook dual, something like that, uh, leaving residual. And then, yeah, a guy might throw a little 2,4-D or Banville to burn down what's there. But it's just like you said, you had a lot of these winter annuals, so I'm sure uh, your agronomist is like, yeah, we better not screw around here. Let's get 2,4-D plus the Valor out there, and then we're in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. I And and you look on the Valor label, and it is labeled for corn, but it, then again, the other one was like, oh, no, it's not. That's a soybean herbicide. It so is like, a soybean herbicide. Oh, geez, we don't, we'd... yep, we don't love it, but uh, yeah, you can do what you did. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I was going to pass on to you too. I just got done finishing my, my last of my corn nice. that I got in and, and uh, we're going to switch over to beans and try to get some beans in yet today. So. Okay. So are you about right on time for when you normally try to finish up corn planting or how did it, how did everything go this spring compared to normal? Well, we, we usually, well, I'll put this into perspective here. Usually we're still putting on anhydrous because in the past, we've never we've never done the uh, fall anhydrous, and we we switched to going to the fall anhydrous with a with a stabilizer, and and it works so much better because we can get out there and we can do stuff yep. in the spring. Yep. 
And the earlier you get it in, the earlier you can get it out, and the better off you are all the way around. I mean, yeah. That's 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 our goal is to take corn out at twenty seven, twenty eight percent and dry it down and and uh, you know of course we have the feedlot too here a little bit we don't don't have a huge feedlot but we have some so sure so on your anyway, bean on yeah. your beans do you plant in April very often or is this like one of the first times you've gotten this gotten it to do it this early years ago I planted I think on the third of May once yep. But no, this will be the earliest I've I've done it in my forty five years of farming. So. Wow. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This is this will actually be the latest we'll now have planted beans in the last three years. Um, I, I mean, t- for a oh, starting wow. date. Yeah. So we've been starting yeah. about the twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and finishing by May first. Because I mean, we're mostly corn, but I mean, we've been trying to get those beans in real early. It, it it's helped for yield. Now, there, there's a limit to it because some other guys I know in Nebraska have been a little spooked by the cold temperatures coming, and they're like, oh, oh I don't want to lose yeah. my beans. And I go, oh, beans are pretty tolerant yeah. until they get bigger, so I think you're well, going to be fine. I did have a, a friend of mine. He His brother's a seed dealer, and, and, and he, he was saying, no, we're done planting those beans at, at uh, uh, the 15th of April because yes. – he said the last three or four years, he says every terrace channel and every bottom we had to replant. Yep. And then we, we came back to combine. They're all green yet. And the others are dry and need to be combined. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so, a limit to it. Everybody's talking about earlier and earlier. I even had one guy come in the other day and he goes, have you heard about these guys planting beans in the fall? And I go, yeah, they'll be dead oh, beans. Wow. <laughs> you can't do stuff like that. Yeah. So come on. <laughs> Yeah. And I've I've heard them planting them. Uh, how deep do you guys plant them? They're, I've heard some guys planting them three and a half inches deep. Yeah, you don't want to do that. So I I mean inch Holy to Moses. yeah inch to inch and a half is where you want to be. Now I'll say this: yeah. we we okay. So you're like right in this area that's got drought and pretty bad drought. Well, we've also had drought for two and a half years, and so one of the, one of the issues that we've had is trying to plant down to moisture. So that's part of why we're trying to plant early, so the moisture's still there, so we can at least get stuff germinated. But yeah, we've planted both corn and beans a little bit deeper than normal, but we're never going three and a half inches on beans. That is too deep. Oh, wow. We're too too worried about it. So we're, we'll go to maybe yeah. two inches on beans, and we've gone to three inches on corn. Not often, only when it's bone dry, and we're just trying to hit moisture those are the only that's the only exception i will ever make for deep planting otherwise it's usually about two two and a half inches on corn and inch inch and a half on beans those are the best depths hey jeff thanks a lot for calling in today appreciate it and good luck to you down there thanks you bet you bet thank you let's talk to you later you bet yeah a lot of decisions right now happening out in fields it's just kind of fun as we all get going out in the field with fertilizer with uh, herbicide and weed control today we're talking soybean burn down obviously as conditions change out in the field some of those recommendations change just a little bit in terms of additives and and what you're doing to get the best performance so do work with your agronomist if you get into some tough conditions this year thanks for listening to today's program be sure to join us again each weekday for more ag phd radio